Welcome to the Jesuit Schools Network Ignatian Inquiry Podcast and our first episode of the 2022-2023 school year. The JSN seeks to be a supportive resource to our member schools, and this podcast is designed to be just that, a carved-out space to listen, learn, and engage with issues that matter to our collective work as Ignatian educators. We're eager to encourage a spirit of inquiry across the many layers of our work in Jesuit education. We envision our particular brand of Ignatian inquiry to be the art of inquiry as seen through our Ignatian lens, asking questions and exploring issues that matter in our schools through the frame of our shared Jesuit mission. Today, we welcome Dr. Mora Toom Estevez from the Theology Department at Regis High School in New York City, who has recently completed a doctoral research study out of Creighton University, where she explored the lived experiences of leadership among women who have served or are serving as president of a Jesuit secondary or pre-secondary school. Mora has worked in Jesuit education for more than a decade, serving as director of campus ministry at St. Peter's Preparatory School for seven years, as well as associate provincial assistant for secondary and pre-secondary education for the Northeast Province of the Society of Jesus for four years. Currently, she serves as a theology teacher and department chair at Regis High School. Dr. Kristen Ross Cully, Director of Inquiry and New Ventures for the Jesuit Schools Network, joins us for this conversation on such an important topic. Dr. Toom Estevez and Dr. Cully, welcome to the podcast. How are you both doing today? Doing well. It's a cloudy day here in New York. I'm doing good too. It's a sunny day uh, here in Colorado. And Maura, I was thinking that I think the last time that I saw you was at your uh doctoral defense uh, from Creighton in the spring. You've come a long way. And in that time since, it was just a couple of weeks later that you had a baby. So you're you're actually joining us from maternity leave. So that I think sets the stage for this uh, meaningful conversation we're about to have. I actually thought, Kristen, when you introduced me, that it was nice to hear Dr. Tum Estevez because <laughs> I was just like trying it on at the end of the school year. Some kids had started calling me that and some kids would forget and whatnot. So, and I haven't been back yet since I'm on maternity leave. So I was like, hmm, all right. <laughs> it has a nice flow to it. <laughs> nice ring to it. That's true. So uh, Maura, we're super excited uh, to be recording here our first podcast of the school year. It's a, a big endeavor for the Jesuit Schools Network. And we're really excited to start with your research, uh, that this, this is a, a great opportunity to shine a light. So, so when I think we, when we talk about this and when we think about it, you know, I, I think about how uh, you're, you're an Ignatian educator, longtime one, a full-time teacher, a department chair, you know, a busy professional. And then here you were successful in engaging with this research study um, with everything on your plate. So, so why don't we begin with you sharing a little bit about uh, what, what drew you to this topic of women in uh, leadership of Jesuit schools? Why is it so important to you? When I started my doctoral program at Creighton, I knew from the get-go that I wanted to do my eventual dissertation on something about the experience of women and Jesuit schools. I didn't know if I wanted that to be on how Jesuit schools can um, empower leadership in in young women in co-ed or all girls schools. I didn't know if I wanted it to be like 
how to increase the number of women in leadership. But um, I got very good advice when I started my doctoral program, which was if you have an idea of what you want your topic, your dissertation topic to be, um, don't reinvent the wheel when you're doing other projects. So I started building in women's leadership into other projects. So I took a strategic planning class and I created a, a possible strategic plan for increasing women in leadership roles in the JSN. I did a um, change theory course and I wrote about when um, Loyola Academy in Chicago went co-ed and how they undertook that change process. And so in doing all this different research and whatnot, um, I started really getting drawn to the idea of women in the role of director of the work. Um, something that I didn't really understand until I worked in the province was how a school president is really a part of the governance structure of the Society of Jesus. You're, you're not just the president of that institution, you are a director of a Jesuit apostolate, and that means something within the governance structure. So I was really drawn to like, well, how do women experience being part of this structure, which is, you know, was a, originally designed for men. And that grew out of my, my work with school presidents in the PACE role, the first time I went to the president's gathering of the JSN, and just like, noticing that there were fewer women in those roles, they served in different types of schools, and, and what was that like? The kind of thing that sealed the deal for me was I took a class called Women in Leadership as one of my electives, and that course really focused on women's pathways to leadership roles, and I started thinking about how are women's pathways to the role of president different, and that's what kind of... Um, coalesced my research question, which is what is the experience of leadership um, and pathway to leadership for women in the role of president of, of a Jesuit school? You know, we've started, um, we started really talking about the, the concept of Ignatian inquiry at the JSN. So, you know, this whole idea of practitioners who are in schools doing the work um, of schooling and, and from that, like really asking questions and exploring issues that matter. Um, and this research, your process that you just described is exactly that, you know, being inspired by things that you saw, things that you noticed from your own frame, uh, you know, of the world of Jesuit education and then taking it further and deeper and really exploring it. And, and then all of us committed to not just having that learning be on a shelf, but, but sharing it and making it useful and making it widely available. I mean, I think that's the hope of this podcast. Well, and the JSN actually had like a really big role in that. I, you know, when you write your dissertation, you get to write your little acknowledgements and, and thank yous. Um, and when I, I, I was a participant in the seminars in Ignatian leadership from 2016 to 2018. And then I was an instructor for a cohort from 2018 to 2020. And those two cohorts really helped shape my thinking because I would go to the sessions and I'd be like, oh, I'm writing this paper. I'm writing that paper. I'm thinking about this or that. or um, And it would really be shaped by the colleagues that were coming from different schools. And, you know, we were having these critical conversations about leadership. Um, 
So I, it, it wouldn't look, and I wouldn't be, have been asking the same questions without those two cohorts. Morris, so when you think about that, um, you know, what, what is it about Ignatian spirituality that empowers women to lead? So that's so funny because that question right there is something that I said at the end of my dissertation, someone needs to do their own dissertation on. <laughs> so I don't know that I have like the, the full answer to that question, but one of my findings in interviewing the women who, who are school presidents or, or were school presidents was that it really grew out of a vocation for them, out of a call from God, um, out of, and their work was an experience of, of God for them. So I think what it is about Ignatian spirituality is that it invites us to see our work as cooperating with God and that we are all called. I think like the idea in Ignatian spirituality that God works intimately with each individual, that the call is not only for a certain group of people, right? Men, women, Jesuits, lay people, um, whatever, like anyone can, can hear it and respond to it. So that would be like my starting point to answer that question. <laughs> and you sort of just now mentioned one of the themes of your findings. Could you sort of walk us through the three major themes that you found during your dissertation? Sure. So as you said, I had three major findings and each had kind of their own sub themes. The first was around organizational issues and how organizational issues affected the women's experiences of leadership. And the sub-themes there were the model of school, organizational change and support, and then the reality of being within the organization of the Catholic Church. So I'll just say a little bit more about each of those. So the biggest issue that participants named as influencing their experience of leadership was the model of school. Um, and I think that that is because the percentage of women presidents that I interviewed that represented what we would say a non-traditional school, right? A nativity or a Cristo Rey um, was almost 80%. Um, so almost all of the women represented a, a different type of school than we think of when we think of as, you know, kind of the the big Jesuit high schools. And so women often couldn't separate it when they had experienced any feelings of exclusion. They were like, is this because of my gender or because my school is not kind of the normative model of what we think of, of a Jesuit school, you know, tuition driven, maybe all boys, et cetera. And then the, when I say overcoming issues around organizational change. I asked all participants to sit, name any organizational policies that specifically supported leadership of women in their schools. And most of them couldn't name anything aside from policies that they implemented during their own time as president. And some of those policies were introducing more middle management positions to create more opportunities for leadership increasing pay scales and tuition remission benefits for families and increasing number of women on boards of trustees. So those were things that once women came into leadership, they said, this is what kind of we need to do to create a scaffolding. And then a lot of women said they, they wished for more of a support network of other women in leadership. So they sought that out, whether it was in their province 
in their own schools or even like in their local geographic areas. And then the last organizational issue was the positionality of Jesuit schools within the broader Catholic church. This was a source of tension for a lot of the participants. Most participants reported experiences of clericalism and they said that it was clericalism was not as strong with the Jesuits as it was with the broader church, but that there is still a clear divide between Jesuit and everybody else. And they were really clear to say that clericalism is not something that the women experienced only from clerics, right? Priests or, um, or other religious, but also it's something that lay people can perpetuate, right? Sometimes people want to see uh, a collar in that role, or they kind of respond to the authority of, of a priest differently. So that was a real source of, of tension for some of the women, a number of the women, and they felt most supported when the Jesuits that they worked with acknowledged that reality and kind of worked with it. Like one participant said, there was a Jesuit who said, listen, this donor will only kind of respond to to a priest. Like, do you want me to take this meeting with you? And instead of feeling, you know, diminished, she was like, thank you for acknowledging this and supporting me instead of kind of just throwing me into this meeting. Those are the kind of major institutional or organizational issues. The second major theme should be of no surprise to you guys as, as women leaders, um, but women are strategic about using their interpersonal gifts and talents. And that includes relationships that they have. The sub-themes there were influences of mentors. So women really understood the role that they had as mentors and role models to other women in the JSN or to students in their schools, but they also really leaned on their mentoring and role modeling relationships. And they specifically said relationships with Jesuits were seen to be helpful both in the role and while they kind of ascended to the role. So in their pathway to leadership, you know, this idea that like the Jesuit world is small, right? And those past relationships, particularly with Jesuits, helped help them. They talked a lot about their family relationships, how they were formed by their own families to kind of understand themselves as leaders. And something that I thought was really interesting, um, I didn't ask the participants if they had children or anything about their family life, right? They volunteered it. But six of the 15 women that I interviewed mentioned um, specifically utilizing their experiences as mothers or maternal instinct in the role. They felt like it helped them serve the families in their school better. It gave them skills for the job um, and even better qualified them for the job in some cases. And then there were three relationships that women reported as kind of key to leverage in their experience of, of leadership. The relationship with their predecessor, with their board of trustees, and with the province. Uh, the province relationships were also seen as very personality driven. So that idea, right, if like, I don't know if I'm perceiving a difference because it's my school is a different model of school or because I'm a, I'm a woman, that was experienced in the provinces as well, right? So three different women across different provinces noticed that they didn't have big missioning masses when they went into the role of president, whereas their male colleagues at bigger schools did. And they were like, is that because we're a small school and we don't do things with as much pomp and circumstance? 
or is it because I'm a woman in the role and we don't know what a missioning for a woman looks like? And then the last major theme was women build on their personal attributes in their experience of leadership. So the sub-themes there were um, women built upon their, their race and ethnicity and their age. So those things kind of get at intersectionality, right? A majority of the participants that I interviewed identified as white, but there were three who identified as Latina or other. And for those three, they couldn't really separate their gender from their ethnicity, which reflects research that dimensions of diversity overall mediate people's experience of leadership. For age, there was a big difference by age of how women experience their gender in the role. Those who would be categorized as baby boomers or older generation X saw the role as more gender blind, whereas those who are millennials or younger Gen X had more kind of salient reflections on how their gender affected their experience of leadership, like how they were perceived by different constituencies, how they exercised their power. And then this um, idea that one's Catholic identity affects their experience of leadership. That's kind of what I mentioned earlier. The language of consolation, vocation came to the forefront for everyone I, I interviewed, that it really was a call, that it brought them great joy to, to serve in the role. And even for those who weren't deeply formed in Ignatian spirituality before they came into the role, felt like once they started in Ignatian spirituality, it was something that just like fit. And Ignatian spirituality was seen as like a tool, right, to be cultivated, something that you kind of had to learn, like the the speak of a, of a company. And then the last thing that women built upon was their previous career experience. So something that um, anecdotally is different for women in the role of president than men is their pathway to the role. Eight of the women I interviewed took an inside track, right? They were already working in their school to president and seven took an outside track, but only two of them took, I think what we so often see as the model of moving to the president, right? You're a teacher, then you're a department chair, then you're an academic administrator, then you're principal, then you're president. I think that's the model that we have for at least lay people in the role of president. And um, only two of the women that I interviewed took that. Many more of them came from fundraising roles or external relationships roles. A, a number of the women said, as far as previous career experience, that um, experience or comfort in male-dominated spaces was a skill that they benefited from. So whether that came from previous experience with Jesuit institutions or other, a number of them had like careers before they came into education in male-dominated spaces. And that was a tool that they said, I was able to leverage this specifically. And that, that is about it. You know, there's <laughs> so much that I, uh, no, it's terrific. So much that strikes me as I listen to you. I think the first thing is I love your, your language of strategically using relationships. You know, we speak so much about value of relationships in Jesuit education and Cura Personalis. And I think for 
so many of us, it's top of the list of, of what we love about being an Ignatian educator. That phrasing strategic use is interesting to me because, you know, my own experience as a female uh, leader in schools is that that really is a requirement. And it, there's a gendered perception to that use, that expectation of relationships and kind of having a strength there. But I think it's just the intentionality of which uh, you found these women leaders to really be using, leveraging, as I think you said, those relationships is, is interesting to me. And I think there's something in that language too. I mean, that it's intentional and, and it's important, but I think sometimes when we say strategically leveraging relationships, it can be seen as like a um, hold, right? right? Or like, oh, you're using people, but really it's more of a strength that women bring in a strength for building relationships and that's what a school president needs to do, right? You need to build relationships with many different constituencies at the same time, right? Alumni, parents, students, um, your diocese, your province, you know, you have to be able to kind of maintain those relationships and tell the story of your school through them. Yeah, I see it as really kind of embracing who you are you know, if that's, if that is who you are, but embracing who you are and bringing that to work is really kind of another frame of, of cura personalis and, and using that at work. I find that to just be very affirming, you know, as I, as I listen to it. And it's also interesting to think about some of the things that you mentioned, some of the stories, you know, it strikes me like we've talked so much about Jesuit and lay leadership, but not specifically the dimension of gender within that conversation. And then the story that you told about kind of teasing out was gender and at play at all in not having some of the women not having a missioning mass, for example, or was it their school? Just the complexity of all of those different dimensions that each of us every day at work, you know, are, are swimming in, are thinking about, maybe not thinking about, maybe it's just at play, but really teasing that out, uh, that portion of the conversation, I think is, again, affirming to all that women bring to their roles, in this case, presidents of of Jesuit schools, but it's really, you know, the everyday role as well for women in our schools. I loved how when you were talking about <laughs> one of the sub themes for women strategically using their interpersonal gifts and talents, you're talking about balancing family relationships with the job and you were sort of going off camera and yeah, like rocking your own to my daughter. Your daughter. <laughs> my daughter. Like that was just perfect encapsulation of how you were saying a lot of women bring like their maternal personality to the job. And I think that kind of also goes into the next question, which is, did these findings resonate with your own experience? And did anything surprise you? Yes, my findings did resonate with my own experience in, in a number of ways. The first that really resonated with me was when the women spoke about their, the tension that they feel about the positionality of, of schools within the broader hierarchy of, of the Catholic church. You know, I don't know if you can be a woman in the church and not feel tension around that. Sometimes w women are closed from a number of leadership positions in the broader Catholic church. And I also really resonates with me that that experience of clericalism is not as strong with the Jesuits, right? Like that's why I work in Jesuit schools and it's why for a number of years until I moved here, worshiped at a Jesuit parish, right? Like I find them to be more inclusive and, and more empowering of women's leadership. 
But at the end of the day, there is always going to be a difference between those who can be ordained and and those who cannot. The thing that surprised me the most was probably that um, the age difference thing that I spoke about in the last theme. I would have expected the women who kind of fell into the baby boomer generation or older Gen X to have more to say about gender difference because I had assumed that they would have experienced more kind of outright sexism, right? Or or misogyny as we're uh, just in having longer careers. But as I understand it now, that is why they wanted the role to be gender blind. Anyone can can do this. Whereas the younger women who maybe hadn't experienced as much outright misogyny or or tension said, this is what I bring to the role specifically as a woman. And I feel empowered to identify those, those things. So that finding surprised me. Um, You were just talking about like balancing family life as I like look at my daughter in her bouncer seat. (laughs) One of the women that I interviewed said, I could not do this job if I was raising my kids, her kids are are grown now. And listen, there are other women I interviewed who are actively raising their kids, right? And and did it while they were doing the job. But there isn't a, the idea that like, the job is not built for someone who is raising small kids. And so if you want to be a person raising small kids in the job, you have to reimagine the job and your school has to support you in doing that, meaning your board or your kind of number twos, right? In, in development and um, operations and principal and et cetera, et cetera. Was there any conversation about that, Maura, um, when you talked about in the beginning of your findings about the organizational structures? I was, I was thinking about how a number of women have asked me, now in my case, it's having served as principal, um, but, you know, could you could you have done the job as principal with, I also have two, you know, two young children, two babies. Would you, would you be able to do it now? And I pause a bit when I think about that. Um, But it is the structures that, uh, that the organization sets and the expectations and the time intensity and, you know, everything that I think that we, we know either from our own experience or we can imagine from seeing these, these key leadership roles. Did anyone talk about that? I can't say anyone said I changed these policies because I have small kids, but I think the finding that women couldn't really name policies that existed before they were in leadership that supported women's leadership. Rather, they named things that they put in that, for me, got at that. If you are a woman in leadership, you kind of have to be willing to create space more space, right, for women's leadership. And you have to be willing to say, we're going to change the way this has always looked, which can be really hard, particularly if you're the first woman in the role, because you want to fit into, well, I can do this just like anybody else did. That was another, I mean, a number of the women, all of them except two were the first women in the role, which was also why leveraging their relationship with their predecessors was important, right? Like all of it is kind of interconnected. Isn't that interesting though, to think about, you know, being the first to fill that position, first female to fill that position and probably the complexity of the feelings of pride, like the, how awesome is that? I'm the first woman doing this role in whatever my setting is. 
And then also the hesitance of wanting to not pay so much attention to that because you got the job because you're the best person for the job. You know, I mean, these are all the things that they may just be passing thoughts in the minds of, of women doing the work, but they're there. Right. And it's, this is an opportunity to really dissect them and to think about them, which I think again, is the whole idea of uh, the whole idea of research and the, and the wonder of getting to do it at the at the secondary and pre-secondary level, right? When I started at St. Peter's, I was assistant director of campus ministry my first two years and I was running the service program. And it was literally like my first week and I was teaching a service class and some kid was like, so what are you like a woman for others? <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's the goal. Like, And he was like, huh. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so what do we, what are your recommendations? Like, what do we do with all of this? You know, thinking about it, having the chance to carve out space to talk about it is so important, but like, what are the action steps? What do we, what do we do? Well, I have four. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So something that I really liked about the, the Creighton program was that they said, as you write, you have to come up with proposed solutions to your to this problem that you're addressing. So I I have four. The first is that individual leaders within the Society of Jesus, so whether that be leaders in the Jesuit provinces, current leaders of Jesuit schools, those who are on the commission for the roles and responsibilities of women, they have to evaluate how policies and structures within the Society of Jesus exclude and or impede women's pathways to leadership in, in Jesuit schools. I'm suggesting that the Jesuit Schools Network create a formal networking and support group for women in leadership in Jesuit education. As I mentioned in the organizational theme, that was something that women really wanted. Um, They sought it out themselves, but they were like, if this already existed, it would be great. Boards of trustees, this is the third, they should increase the number of women serving on their board, both for role modeling purposes, but also for support of current women presidents and boards should evaluate how they support women in their schools specifically. And then the fourth recommendation is that women seeking leadership in JSN schools should both seek and be provided opportunities to deepen their experiences with Ignatian spirituality, with fundraising, because those were seen to be two major things that were needed in the role of president, and also reflect on the balance between their desire for a leadership position and the joys and challenges of leadership for women in the Catholic Church. You know, I think about when I hear uh, mentor, so that whole idea of you have to see it to be it. I mean, that's a that's a big thing. I think probably each of us can think of a female role model who was formative. Like for me, it was Meg Florentine, your former colleague in the Pace office. And me too. <laughs> formerly at Boston College High School, who I met in my first year, you know, and at the seminars, my but my first year in Jesuit education 20 some years ago, 1999, I think I met her. She was leading a seminars group. And she, to me, you know, there I was a young woman in an, in an all boys school, new to Jesuit education, new to all of us. But she, to me, was someone who, um, like I could, I could see the path ahead um, that maybe looked like me and that, that just kind of like put color and texture around this whole idea of like, where is my future? You know, isn't that interesting? That's for both of us. But, but that idea is so important. 
Um, it's so important. And those, those are things like when I hear what can we do and can listeners who are, are hopefully enjoying this podcast in their schools, like that, that's a lot in our control being, being a mentor formal or informal, you know, and really taking that and embracing that idea for the, for the younger women in our schools and not just younger in age, but, but newer to our communities. I wouldn't have undertaken a doctorate without Meg. She really encouraged me as as a boss as as a mentor but i really see her as someone who has encouraged kind of generations of women in in jesuit education me too you know the other thing that i wonder about more so like in terms of think of action steps after having some chance to reflect on your the experience here that you paint of women as as presidents in our schools so how how do we get women to raise their hand and say I, I might like to be considered for this role president in this case. All of this sounds, as I listen to it, it's it resonates with my experience. It seems reasonable and challenging, but we're still in a position where the applicant pools for some of the leadership positions are small, you know, that, that a lot of people agree with this, but we're not getting the female applicants. Like, what? why is that? There was a, a, a article years ago now, it's got to be over a decade or so old from Harvard Business Review about it, it painted the, the picture of men uh, being more comfortable if they don't have every qualification of the role, putting themselves forward and applying for a position and saying, you know, I might like to be that. I'd like to raise my hand and please consider me, even if I might not have, as you said, that kind of formal path. Whereas women, on the other hand, feel like they have to kind of have everything said and it's got to be, I've got to be, you know, every, every, every duck in a row in order to put myself forward. Whether or not that's accurate or not to the experience of the women in the network, I don't know, but it was an interesting and thought provoking sense. So how do we get women to say, I, I would like to do this role? I think that that's really kind of where those four recommendations kind of come together. The, the first is kind of removing um, structural and, and organizational things that Im- impede women, right? Also creating support networks so women can kind of lift each other up and, and share those job postings with each other and it can empower each other. But really that last one, and this is um, real credit to my second committee member, Dr. Jane Bleasdale, who's at University of San Francisco, she recognized that in the stories of the women that I interviewed, very few of them, maybe only two, went into their career path saying, I want to be a school president, right? Most of them had to kind of be tapped on the shoulder. And somebody said to them, would you consider this? Um, So that idea that Women need to seek out the opportunities, but also they need to be provided the opportunities because we're not at a point where women, like you said, see it to be it. They don't think that that's for them or that not even that they don't think it's for them. They're just like, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Um, A lot of the research about women in schools says that um, uh, not that women don't aspire to leadership, but they kind of like think about what they might lose if they like lose the autonomy of their own classroom or lose the flexibility of schedule or whatnot. Like, so 
they need to be encouraged and, and kind of tapped tapped on the shoulder. And that's what happened to most of the women that I spoke to. And a lot of that tapping came from Jesuits. We're still at a point where Jesuits are are on the search committees, right? They're in the PACE offices, they're in school leadership. So being tapped on the shoulder by by a Jesuit mentor that you trust means means something means the world. Yeah. The power of the invitation, right? I think that we, Hmm. we see that in the everyday school and then we see that, uh, see that in this frame. And, you know, one of the things that I love about working for the Jesuit schools network is the chance to kind of broaden my scope outside of the school communities that I was in and to see the differences across the network, across North America and the geographical differences and the the, the different types of schools, as you say, and, you know, not, not everyone has a, has a Meg, like to use Meg as a, as a mentor, a metaphor for a mentor. And so, so how do we do that? And again, I think there's intention, intentionality that's really needed there, you know, that you hope we're having this conversation, uh, you know, here in September of, of, uh, of this year, and maybe in five years from now that we look at some of the numbers and we look at some of the experiences and that we've moved it, moved the queue forward. So your, your research really inspires that. That stood out to me too when I did my research. So there was like a real geographic split of where the women that I interviewed came from, right? I mean, I, I took demographic data, you know, what schools they were in and then what provinces their schools were in. Almost all of them were in Jesuits West or Jesuits East. The The number of women that I interviewed from Jesuits Midwest or Jesuits Central Southern was pretty small. Jesuits West in particular, every woman I interviewed from Jesuits West talked about like how supportive their province has been, um, whether that's people in the PACE office, um, whether it's just the fact that they have more women in president roles. So that, that a number of them talked about um, the Jesuits West magazine featured women in leadership wow. and they were all in the fundraising magazine. Right. And they were like, this was kind of a silly thing, but it like was very meaningful that there was enough of them to like make a, a piece about it. Right. Again, that comes back to organizational issues. Who are the structures lifting up? I just think there's a lot stirring about this conversation and your, your research like continues to, to stir up in the best way uh, that conversation we did last spring, our inaugural um, virtual symposium for the JSN on the power of women in Jesuit education. We had terrific feedback, uh, groups of women kind of spontaneously across the network gathering in their schools to watch the symposium together. I thought that was great. You know, that was all not forced. It was natural and kind of organic that came up from the conversation. It says that says something, you know, I think we have like 600 views of that, of that recorded session and, and, uh, and more conversations coming out um, of the Midwest and, and here of your research. And so there's so much work to do, you know, there's so much, but it really does take uh, people taking the lead here in these kinds of conversations and, and making studies like yours, um, like Jane's, uh, Bleasdale's, as you mentioned, being utilized across the network. I mean, part of that I think is, is natural, right? Like first there was the wave of the first lay presidents, most of whom were men. And now we've had a wave of the first women presidents. So it's, you know, kind of, I think it grows from people's experience. Something that I thought was really important that a few women that I interviewed spoke to 
was, okay, well, as a woman in leadership in a male religious order school, now I want to kind of use my position to lift up other groups that are not traditionally seen in leadership, people of color. Um, they talked about like sexual identity or, or gender identity, but I feel like those those come next, right? And the women who identified as women of color said like, yes, because those things can't be separated from, I can't say, oh, I'm a woman right now and I'm a person of color here. Like it's it's all part of one's identity. And it's giving voice to this, right? And again, it's that idea of bringing who you are to our schools. And I think there's something really powerful there that probably resonates on many levels beyond um, beyond being a woman in leadership, but you're really giving voice to the experience here. And again, if, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you're in an area where you don't, you know, have female leaders, leadership in your schools, female presidents in your province, whatever it might be, um, you, it might, this might be totally, totally new, you know, and, and eye-opening. Um, yet, if you're in a, a setting where you kind of see this a lot and it's familiar to you, then and it's still, it still can be affirming, again, giving voice to the experience of others. That's really what I think what we all hope for. to this episode of the Ignatian Inquiry podcast. Mora's entire dissertation titled Women as President in Jesuit Secondary and Pre-Secondary Schools, a Phenomenological Study of Pathways to and Experiences of Leadership, can be found on JSN's website at www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org inquiry. It will be linked in the Inquiry Resource Library under Practitioner Research. It can also be found on our Ignatian Inquiry podcast page, along with Mora's contact information. The Ignatian Inquiry podcast is hosted by Kristen Smith and Dr. Kristen Ross Cully. This episode was recorded, edited, and produced by Kristen Smith and directed by Dr. Kristen Ross Cully. To learn more about the Jesuit Schools Network, please visit www.jesuitschoolsnetwork.org. Stay curious and set the world on fire.